Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Tim Holloway. I'm glad to be back at you again. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Hey, this is a podcast dedicated to Christian men inside of recovery to live an awesome, spirit-filled life. So if that is you, then welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to click on the link that is inside the description. That'll take you to the um, GCR groups. It'll give you more information on that. If you want to uh, have encouragement and support of a brotherhood, then I encourage you to click on that link and find out what that's about. So... We are going to continue in Luke chapter 9, and we are going to be uh, continuing our thoughts on discipleship. So, in Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus says this, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Uh, This is one of my favorite topics. I've probably um, talked about this in the podcast before. Um, but it comes up again and it comes up again. So we're just going to to roll with it. Uh, if it seems like I, I uh, repeat myself from some of the other things that I said, that's okay because um, you get a refresher and you just get it uh, drilled into your your heart and, and inside your mind. So I want you to uh, I want to set you up on what Jesus was talking about here that um, during uh, this time, um, Christ asked Peter, who do men say that I am? And he begins to say, you know, some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're Elijah or the prophet and this, that, and the other thing. And then he asked him a more personal question, is that who do you say that I am? And he said that you are Christ, the son of the living God. And he goes on to say that upon this revelation, upon this, uh, this rock of this truth, you know, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But then he, he goes on to say that, um, that he must suffer and die. And that is Jesus was talking about going to the cross. And Peter uh, forbade him or began to rebuke him and say, this will never happen to you. And then, of course, Jesus said, you know what? You are not mindful of the things of God. Um, and then he goes into this idea of denying yourself. Now, it wasn't anywhere close in Peter's mind. The idea of a suffering Savior was not something that uh, he was thinking about. He was thinking of a conquering king, that uh, at that current moment, uh, Jesus would come and establish his kingdom and begin to rule and reign on the earth right then, right now. And so this idea of of suffering, of denying yourself, was a really, um, really foreign concept. And it was hard to grasp, much like a lot of what Jesus said um, was hard to understand. It was hard to grasp. Um, he was the king of hard sayings. Uh, what that means is that he wasn't uh, ear tickling. He wasn't concerned with uh, being popular. Um, he said what uh, what was on his heart and when God wanted him to speak, and he let the chips fall where they may. There was another location where Jesus said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people looked at him like, are you nuts? Like, what what are you saying? Now, a lot of the things I believe he said for shock and awe 
um, he seemed to um, want to challenge and bust the norm. Um, he wanted people to um, to begin to display emotion about what he was saying. But during that time, uh, when he said, you, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, the disciples even came to him and said, you know what, this is something that is very difficult. This is something that is very hard. Uh, who, can, who can grasp this? And uh, they begin to uh, walk away from him. And he began to let them go. Like Jesus wasn't concerned with uh, with the crowd or, or public opinion. He was concerned with telling the truth. And of course, his uh, uh, disciples left him. And then he began to communicate with another disciple and say, are you going to leave too? And then uh, this, of course, uh, uh, was Peter, I believe. And he said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And so I say all that to say this is that this is another one of those hard sayings. And everything that Jesus said is in direct contradiction to the way that we live and to the way the world system works. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't bashful. He wasn't tiptoeing around. Man, when he said to pray, he said, don't pray like the hypocrites. When he said to give, he said, don't give like the heathens. And he called them out. And he, he spoke with authority and with power, and he wasn't tiptoeing around. So this is one of those things. Deny yourself. You see, this is in direct contradiction to the way the world system works. The world system works is you got to, you got to find yourself. Oh, you got to discover yourself. You got to go deep into your heart and begin to discover who you are. And all these things, right? That is a direct contradiction to what Jesus said. Jesus said to deny yourself. He said to take up your cross. And he said to follow him. This idea of denial, um, denial of self is to disown. And that is that you are going to um, say and believe that you are no longer connected with this thing. And you no longer identify. If you were to disown a person, you'd say, you know what? I disown this person. I'm no longer connected to this person. And I no longer identify or put myself in association with this person. I disown them. And so this idea of disowning must come to yourself. And that is, you know what? I have no identification with the self. And say, you know what? That I am going to disown the self. Not pamper it, not pat it on the back, not coddle it like uh, like they do in therapy. We're just going to coddle the self. It's because you know, you're unaffirmed and you just need to, to, to soothe yourself and coddle yourself and all these different things that, that the world system gives. But Jesus says to deny. And that is to disown. It also means to abstain. Now this is a a word that we don't like very much, right? To abstain, and that is to, to choose not to do or to have something. It means to refrain deliberately. And so what, what Jesus is saying here, to deny yourself is to abstain from yourself. And that is choosing not to put the desires of self paramount. That I'm going to deliberately refrain from putting myself first, and that I'm going to deny myself. 
It's crazy when you look up this word uh, self or himself uh, inside of the Greek dictionary, you'll find this word conceit. Conceit. And that is to have an excessive pride in oneself, right? And this is the state and condition of humanity. You know, we think that overall that... um, that people need uh, self-esteem and all of these different things, when in fact we have an overabundance of estimation of ourselves. We have this uh, pride beginning to operate inside of our hearts. And so when Christ was saying to disown and abstain, he was saying about conceit, and that is your vanity, that you are going to rise up and begin to deny, disassociate, I want you to get that word in your mind. Disassociate with your vanity and say, hey, vanity, me and you are no longer rolling together. Hey, vanity, I'm going to disassociate from you. We're no longer friends. We're no longer companions. That we would abstain from anything that would be considered to draw us over into that vanity. It goes a step farther in defining this word self-conceit is the narcissism. And that is the same thing that I'm going to deny. I'm going to disassociate with my narcissistic tendencies. My, My idea of putting me at the center of the world. That I'm the only thing that matters. I'm going to begin to deny that, begin to disassociate with that. And say, you know what? I'm going to abstain from my narcissistic tendencies. This definition goes on to conceitedness and self-love. And there is an idea of taking care of yourself and building yourself and all of those things that are very positive. But what we have in the world today is a consuming, <coughs> a consuming attitude with what you look like with what you have, and your status and achievements in life. And it all comes from vanity, narcissism, and self-love. But here, here's the reality of the self-help movement, that it wants you to begin to jump into these thoughts and ideas and begin to get more consumed with yourself. The basic uh, premise of self-help movement is you can help yourself, get involved a- a- in yourself, and begin to do all these things to begin to love yourself, which only adds to what? The pride of life. Now, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And Jesus' way is the way of self-denial and saying, you know what? This vanity, this narcissism, this conceitedness, this self-love that is over-consumed with me, 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 needs to be disassociated with and to deny it. And we all suffer from this. Uh, there's nobody exempt from this uh, mentality that we all have the I inside, which we call the inflatedness of our ego, right? The I inside where it must be forsaken and it must be denied and disowned. Because the reality is, is that your ego is always going to cause you to drift inside of a direction that is going to be detrimental to you. 
You see, the ego operates in this empty vacuum, this emptiness, and it needs and it feeds. And that is it needs status to feel okay. It needs success to feel okay. It needs amount, this amount of money to feel okay. It needs this connection, this love connection to feel okay. It needs all of this stuff to say, you know what? I am okay. I am soothed. And I am appeased at this time. Well, the Christian walk has nothing to do with that. The life of faith has nothing to do with that. There's going to be times where you're going to experience hardship in different areas of your life and your ego is not going to be happy about it. There's going to be times that you're not reaching the number of people that you want to reach. There's going to be a time where there's not that many people in your church that you think should be. There's going to be a time where you feel that you're not that effective and your ego is going to rise up and say, you know what? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm being a little facetious here, but but it's the truth because I've experienced the reality of these things. And so the reality is, is, is the conceit and everything that's considered with the eye must be forsaken and denied to begin to, to walk in, in God's reality. So the last one is the self-admiration in this egotism that must be denied. So he said to take up your cross, and that is this exposure to death. Jesus was saying that his mission was to die on the cross. Peter stood uh, and said, you know, far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. And he was standing in the way of the cross, and Jesus said, you're going to have to deny yourself if you're going to follow me, and you're going to have to take up your cross. And, and he adds this word, daily. And I find that very uh, comical in a sense because... You know, men like to, to do rituals, right? We like to do rituals and say a uh, one-time event and, and it happened for me. And that is we will we will even like make a wooden cross and, and, and drag it across cities and, and do different things that uh, that to give the appearance of self-denial and to say that I took up my cross. Well, Jesus said in a daily fashion. And that is that we have to maintain our crucifixion position and our death to our ego every day. Every day, my ego wants to rise again. Every day, the pride of life comes to begin to try to consume me and go in, the, in a different direction, in vanity, in emptiness. And look at how great I am and look at how great this, that, and the other thing. So I could feed my ego. And so this cross uh, in Jesus' day uh, was a symbol of pain and suffering. It was the idea of the end of life. And it is surrendering and yielding to that process. You see, Jesus looked at the cross and the crucifixion and the end of life and began to yield to that process. And that same process begins to happen in each one of us, brothers. You see, you're on the path of recovery. And the recovery is a severely death to the old you. Death to the old life. That old man that has, has caused you so much pain and so much suffering has come to an end. And it wasn't doing you any good, brother. It wasn't doing you any good. And so the only thing you can do now is begin to maintain that position of death. 
and say, you know what, I'm a disciple of his and I'm going to do deny my vanity. I'm going to begin to deny my ego and all of this self-consuming self-love crap. And I'm going to begin to take up my cross, the instrument of death, and I'm going to begin to follow him. Follow him. And that means to be in the same way with him. That means to go on the same path. That means to follow and it means to accompany him. And everything that Jesus set forth was an example, but it's also something that begins to take place in our heart and our life. And that is we go down to the depths, into death, and we rise up in this new creation experience, in this new life. And then we begin to rise with him. And the Bible says we actually begin to sit with him and begin to rule and reign in this world. That is the process that God wants us to take us. But it all starts with the, with the denial. And I faced this reality a long time ago is that, you know, Peter had two choices. He was going to either deny himself or he's going to deny Christ. A denial was taking place. There's the utter re renunciation of the flesh. There's going to be utter renunciation of Christ. And so uh, Peter, of course, uh, uh, chose the wrong one. And it was highly beneficial for him to do so because he had to learn the lesson. And the lesson was that it was he. the flesh was very much alive. His conceit, his ego was ruling and reigning in his life. And he had this sort of pride and cockiness that he would never fall. And so the lesson came to him in a moment of despair and denial. That it's deny the flesh or deny the spirit. And there's no other way. Every morning we wake up and we say, what are we going to feed? Are we going to feed the flesh? Are we going to uh, feed the spirit? Every morning we wake, up, we wake up and say, you know what? Am I going to deny my flesh today? Or I'm going to deny the spirit access to, to begin to influence sway in my life. And it's a choice that we all face every morning. So follow me. The key to all of this is surrender. It's all about surrender. And if you've been in this recovery journey for long, you know that's what it's about. That is, you have your will, you have your desires and your way and your path and your stinking thinking and your uh, uh, way that has got you in so much trouble in the past. And then there's God's way. So it's only the denial of our way and the acceptance of His that is going to get the results that we want. And what begins to happen is this awesome reality where our way does become his way. And we get in alignment with him and his desires become our desires. And things become to get uh, easier because we, uh, we are in alignment with the Spirit of God. But at the beginning, I can guarantee you that your ways is not his ways. We are, we are not born in alignment. Alignment is a, is a conscious choice of, uh, of following, of heeding, and denial of yourself, and taking up your cross and following every day. So it's all about the surrender. In Luke 9.24, he says, whoever will save his life will lose it. 
Man, this is another hard, hard, hard saying. If whoever will lose his life for my sake, the same will save it. You see, we're all about um, we're we are all about serving, protecting, and maintaining our life, and that that is the life that we have right now. That we are putting all these safeguards, and we're and we're trying to do all these things so we can we can preserve the life and keep the life that we have. But there is a spiritual truth that says that you have to lose yourself to find yourself. You see, the world says, you know what, you need to find yourself and find your purpose, like it's somehow lost or something, that you need to find this and that. And Jesus says, you don't need to find nothing, you need to lose. You need to lose yourself. And that is that conceit and that ego. And we need to accept this idea that we need to release to be able to capture and what the best way to explain this is that if if you have something in your hand and you are grasping it and you're holding on and you're worried about this letting go and you are consumed with it what is going to happen is it's going to slip through your hands and the way that the kingdom works the way that god works is that you have to open your hand and you have to release it and this comes with every single area of our lives. We want to, to hold on to our family and grasp them and just, you know, keep them, you know, in, 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 in everything in a controllable situation. And what needs to take place is the releasing. The releasing. The same thing that begins to happen in, in our business. We want to begin to hold on to everything. Begin to grasp it and say, you know what? I want this. I want this. And we're 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 gnawing at the bit and we're clawing tooth and nail and 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 everything. All of our focus and our energy is to keep it and grasp it in our hand. And it's like grasping at the wind and it falls through our fingertips because we don't understand the process. The process is you have to release to capture. Everything in the Bible says you got to die to live. There was no sitting down. There was no ruling and reigning. There was none of that taking place unless Jesus fell to the ground and died. It is one of the old-fashioned biblical truths that is taught in the form of the seed, that the seed must lose itself. It must deny what it currently is to become what he must and so the seed must fall to the ground and die and be planted and go through this metamorphosis process and become something different to begin to grow and expand. We always want to grow and expand. We always want the new life, but we don't want the process of death that needs to take place. If you want to live, you are going to have to die. And if you're going to want to receive some of these great things that you envision for your life, you're going to have to let go. That is, let go of the outcomes. Let go of the ego. Let go of the grasping and begin to find your center and your alignment with God. And begin to be empowered by that relationship and say, you know what? I want him. I want this relationship more than I want this, that, and the other thing. 
You see, the problem is, is that we, we fall into seeking all these other things. And this is what was meant by seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And what men have done is but we're seeking all these things and think that we're somehow going to be fulfilled and we're not because we're grasping at the wind. So Jesus teaches us that we have to surrender to have. And then he goes into saying, you know what? What use is it if you would gain the whole world but lose your own soul? The only way to find yourself, brothers, is to lose yourselves. But on the flip side, if we are seeking to preserve our life and everything as it is and, and keep it all in a controllable fashion, you will lose yourself by seeking to preserve all of those things. So what am I saying to you? One of the core values of discipleship is this. You're going to have to release. You're going to have to let go. And that is the people in your life, you're going to have to release them. That is the, the business and the outcomes and, and the things that you desire to, to obtain. You're going to have to release them. You can't expand by holding on to what you have and grasping bubble must be popped. The person that you want to become a year from now is totally incongruent and inconsistent with the person you are today. And so that means you have to let go of the idea of who you are right now. The person you are today must die to become the person who you are to become tomorrow. And it's only the releasing that begins to start this process. You see, with every new expansion comes the death of the old. And we won't expand and grow if we seek to preserve what we have right now. Letting go is the key. Letting go is the key. You see, seeking to my mind focused in seeking on riches. And that is the only thing that really matters to me. What I'm really going to find is poverty. And that is the poverty of the soul and of the spirit, the poverty of integrity, the poverty of lack of positive, intimate relationships. When my number one focus is to pursue riches. So I have to let it go. I must let go of the current state that I'm in. I must lose myself. I must take the stance that I'm going to disassociate with the self, with the ego, so I can begin to grow and expand. And sometimes that's releasing power. You know, power can be so intoxicating. Uh, that is power and authority uh, inside of your life where where you have a lot of people under you and all of these different things. And, and um, it could be um, something that just feeds the ego. And so we got to release, 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 release. Now, that doesn't mean all of these things inside of our lives are bad. What it does mean is that our priority and focus should be seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And let that be our focal point.
And here's the reality. When that begins to happen, then the intimacy and the relationship with God is paramount and not things. You see, a lot of times we want what is in God's hands. <clears throat> instead of seeking the heart of God, we want what's in his hands. And that is instead of seeking him as a person, we seek uh, what he can do for us and the benefits that he gives. Now, this is not some new scenario. Uh, Jesus fed um, uh, fed the 5,000 before this passage that we're talking about, and the people um, begin to uh, praise him and say, man, this is a prophet right here, right? But they were, they were following because of the miracle. And so we got to ask ourselves, do we want what is in his hand only, or do we want to seek his face? And so every disciple must decide, are we going to be the kind of disciple that lets go and releases all of these things and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I'll see you tomorrow, brothers. Peace.